0: Hi everyone, welcome to the Vineyard Church Cardiff podcast this week. Uh, this week we're going back into the archive, we're listening to Jordan song and his talk, A Life of try. Enjoy. Aloha everyone, my name is Jordan. I'm the pastor of Blue Water Mission Church in Honolulu, Hawaii. Uh, Hawaii is an island chain, the British Isles are an island chain, very similar, I feel like we're going to get along. Blue Water Mission Church started about 10 years ago with a group of uh, 30 people or so. We're not a really big church. We're certainly not a a well-resourced church. Uh, We're a little bit economically downscale. We rent an old gymnasium for our worship gatherings and a dilapidated house for our offices. We don't have a lot of stuff, but I'll tell you what we do have. Man, we have a lot of great stories. We have stories of uh, some cool miraculous healings from our healing services that we do at church, bones reshaping, some failed organs regenerating, uh, immune diseases disappearing. We have stories of deliverance, casting demons out of people and on occasion restoring their sanity or their sobriety. In the year past, we had a deliverance story, casting a demon out of one young lady in the doorway of a local department store. We have one deliverance story that involves mention of a real life witch doctor. Uh, We have stories of justice. When the church was just starting out, God spoke to us, told us to do something about sex trafficking in our city which led eventually to ministry teams on the street and the establishment of safe homes and community houses. And at one point, a social justice restaurant wherein trafficking survivors could become waitresses or cooks for the sake of rehabilitative employment. On occasion, we've sent some of our young people to to plant in foreign countries where it's dangerous to preach. Uh, There's that time that one of them got shot by thugs while trying to escape on her moped. Uh, that other time that one of them got thrown into a communist jail for a while. We have some stories of radical hospitality around the church. A number of families have fostered or adopted severely broken children out of local and state care. A number of our community homes have brought in strangers who were struggling until such a time as they could get on their feet. We have one beautiful story from one of our community houses. Uh, The team brought a dying, mentally ill woman in off the street and then miraculously located her long-lost son thousands of miles away so that they could be reunited in her final hours. Uh, We have have one story about resurrecting a five-pound dog. Uh, We have stories about praying for non-believers and atheists and and seeing the Holy Spirit come upon them and strike them with tongues uh, and then about how that turned them to faith in God. In short, it's been a fairly full 10 years uh, around the, the church. I feel like I can confidently boast that if you approached any of our staff team in a pub and offered to spring for a pitcher of decent beer that you would hear several stories worth retelling before the pitcher was empty. And here's why I think that's important. The reason we have so many cool stories is not because we are a group of especially brilliant believers. Indeed, you may have noted that my staffers are the sort to tell stories for beer. No. The reason we have a lot of great stories is because We're just always trying stuff. And that's absolutely all there is to it. We just try stuff. Sometimes we succeed. We very often fail. But man, we try like nobody's business. And that, I think, is the grace of God. And what I'd like to talk to you about is what I call the life of try. Uh, you are uh, vineyard churches so you know a lot about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God on earth. What does it take to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth? you know that that word kingdom it literally means King's dominion or King's control. I like the word order. I think the kingdom of heaven, is best described as the order of heaven. When we bring the kingdom of heaven to earth, we are bringing the order of heaven against the chaos of the world. You know, what's that like? Well, um, are there any sick people in heaven? Well, no, of course not. So those of us who bring the order of heaven to earth can heal the sick. Uh, In heaven, are there any people oppressed by demons? Well, no, of course not. So those of us who bring the order of heaven to earth cause demons to flee. Um, In in heaven, is there any poverty? Is there any injustice? No, of course not. So those of us who bring the order of heaven to earth uh, can provide for people, uh, even if we have to do it supernaturally, as in the miracle of, of the loaves and fishes that we read about in scripture. In heaven, is there anybody who is ignorant of the love of God for them? Of course not. So those of us who bring the order of heaven to earth Uh, represent the true nature and heart of God and unite people in relationship with Jesus. The question is, what does it take to bring the kingdom of heaven, the order of heaven to the chaos of the world? Primarily, it takes trying. It takes a life of try. Faith always takes trying. I would say it more strongly than that. Faith is Trying, not trying, is never faith. Faith isn't what you believe. Faith is what you do with what you believe. Even the demons believe, we're told, right? But they do not move in faith. Faith is when your belief tries what it should. Or as we say often around my church, faith is spelled T-R-Y. You guys familiar with the parable of the talents? That's a pretty well-known parable. Sometimes it's called the parable of the bag of gold. Um, It is in a line of parables that Jesus tells about the kingdom. Sometimes they're called the kingdom parables. They all start with the phrase, the kingdom of heaven is like. This is what it's like to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth, in other words. Uh, And reading excerpts from Matthew 25 and the familiar parable of the talents or parable of the bag of gold. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted property to them. To one, he gives five talents of money, to another, two talents, and to another, one talent. Then he goes away for a while. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. The guy who gets two talents puts his money to work and gains two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Then after a while, the story goes, the, servant, the, the master returns and he gathers his servants together and, and takes an account of what they have done. Um, the man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained you five more. Well done, good and faithful servant, the master says, enter into your master's rest. The guy who had two talents had gained two more. Well done, good and faithful servant. Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. The master replies, You wicked, lazy servant! So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I return, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. Throw this worthless servant outside where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You probably have heard that parable before. I have quite a bit. Um The thing that keeps me from making wild investments with the resources that the Lord has given me is that I'm afraid that my risks won't work out. In a word, I am afraid of failure. And one of the things that's always bothered me about this parable is that there's no failure case in it, right, I want a parable in which a servant makes a risky investment, loses all of his money. What does the master say then? That's the case that I want to hear. And it bothers me that Jesus never explores this outcome in the parable. I am forced to conclude that it's not what Jesus is focused on as if failure were too unimportant to mention in a parable about bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. What he's focused on is not failure What he's focused on in this parable is the failure to try. This is a parable about trying or about not trying, as the case may be. And it's about how some people, like the worthless servant, go insane to find reasons and ways to not try, digging a hole to stick your money in. That doesn't make any sense. He could have at least earned a little bit of interest on it. The kingdom of God is like this, Jesus is saying in this parable. The kingdom of heaven on earth runs on trying. And trying is what concerns the Lord. The parable makes clear that you do not want to be the servant who finds ways to not try. That word try, it's such a little word, right? But it has such import in life. Try is the thing that moves you across the gap between inaction and action, it's the thing that takes you from Here's a good thing to do, and hey, I'm doing it. The difference is trying. Trying is not the action. It's the thing that makes you do the action. Trying is part of everything that we do, but it's its own distinct part, and I think that we need to understand that. You can't move a stone until you try to move a stone, right? You can't sing a song until you try to sing a song. Trying is, a, is part of everything we do, it's a distinct part of everything we do, and it's the part that typically stops us. It's the part that hangs us up. That gap between inaction and action is where the chaos of the world concentrates most strongly against us. The gap between inaction and action is where we win or lose the battle for kingdom purpose in our lives. Uh, For example, um, unless you are injured in some way, you're probably perfectly capable of doing physical exercise. So if you're out of shape, you're carrying a few extra pounds around the midsection, it's because you're bad at making yourself exercise. You're bad at the trying part. Or you might be a phenomenally gifted writer with the idea of a great novel in your head. But if you're bad at the thing that impels you to sit down and write, then the novel will never see the light of day. Your purpose will be foiled because, not not because you're bad at writing, but because you're bad at the trying part. See the difference? Um, You might be passionate about evangelism, but if you're bad at making yourself start a conversation with your neighbor, then you're never gonna see any fruitfulness. You could have every passion and every intention to evangelize your neighbor or your coworkers or to pray for the sick in your office place, but still somehow let days go by or opportune moments pass you by um, if you're bad at the trying part. If you're bad at that, that little launch explosion part, that little leap of faith that moves you into the arena of doing. I know all about trying. I work very hard to be a person of trying. I'm kind of a zealot for trying. Uh, Try is pretty much my operational philosophy for all of life. Try is like my, my warrior's code in the world. I think the word try is what's going to be written on my tombstone. What I'm saying is I'm kind of a badass of try. Seriously. But then I pretty much have to be. I'm a a, a smart, passionate, mission-oriented person who happens to have an epic depressive streak. And I've had it my whole life. The first time I I held a blade to my wrist and considered suicide, I was five years old. Uh, I was so stricken by melancholy when I was a kid that I could rarely sleep through the night. I would sometimes go for like a week without eating. And uh, the darkness of depression has kind of haunted me Well into adulthood, I lost years to it, to tell you the truth. No one knows more about what it takes to turn intent into motion than the person who has occasionally lacked the natural optimism required to eat. When you can't move yourself to do even the basic things, you learn all about what it takes to try. So I've become a person of try, And because I can't do much of anything in my life without having to try uncommonly hard, uh, I think I've I've actually gotten quite good at trying things that other people find difficult. So it's kind of a weird advantage. And this has made a difference in my life, especially in my ministry life. What I think about most as a Christian leader is what it takes to turn believers into triers. When you're not seeing the kingdom of God manifest in your life or in your church as you think that it should, it's tempting for you to think that the problem lies in your belief, that you just need to believe better, you need to believe uh, more knowledgeably, that you need to believe more confidently, that you need to believe more passionately. But really, you probably just need to get better at trying. You can believe all the right things, you can believe in doing all the right things, but still find ways to not do them. The reason is that you don't have to go to all the trouble of disbelieving in order to find ways to not try the things that the Lord puts in front of you. There are always, always loads of reasons to not try something in the moment. Uh, chaos always attacks with vagueness, delay, or distraction. In the moment, in which you have the opportunity to try something kingdom-oriented, you might suddenly not be, a sh- not be sure of your approach. That's vagueness. Or you could decide that it's not quite the right time to do it, that's delay. You know, Satan never tells you not to do kingdom things. Satan only ever tells you to do them tomorrow. We lose the kingdom of God by inches in life. That's how it works. Or you could decide in the moment of opportunity that there's just a lot of other things for you to do that day. How many times did Jesus talk about distraction and the dangers of it in life? The thorns growing up and choking out the weeds. We have loads of distraction in our modern lives. And in any given moment, you'll have one decent way to try the kingdom thing in front of you, but a hundred ways to not try the kingdom thing in front of you. So the mathematics are never in your favor. And you have to realize that trying uses different muscles than believing does. It's one thing to believe that God wants you healthy. And it's quite another thing to get yourself to the gym. It's one thing to believe in healing and quite another thing to minister healing to your coworker. Uh, It's one thing to believe that God has called you to write that great novel um, or to start that godly business or to gather friends and acquaintances for dinner and ask them significant questions, as we see Jesus do so often in scripture, it's something else to believe in those things. It's one thing to believe in those things and something else to launch yourself into those things. And a church built around believing is just way different than a church built around trying. A church built around trying requires different mechanisms and institutions and has an entirely different culture than a church built around believing. And I think the most important job of any church leader is to build a culture of try. So what I wanna leave you with today are about, say, five tips for building a life of try in your life or perhaps in in the group around you. I've thought a lot about this. I've got so many thoughts and ideas. I'm just gonna share five things uh, with you today. And, and hopefully they'll help you. It will help you. What do you need to know about trying in order to build a kingdom life of try? Number one, try knows how to fail. If you think about it, one of the first things that Jesus taught his disciples was how to fail. When he first sent the disciples off without him to minister in the, in the villages, uh, in like Matthew 10 or Luke chapter 10, uh, he said this to them. Go to a town, you identify a man of peace, you do a bunch of miracles, and you preach that the kingdom of God is near. And if they don't accept you, leave town and shake the dust off your feet on the way out, he tells them. In other words, get moving. If you fail, just move on. Literally, shake it off. You have to know how not to get stuck in failure. Otherwise, your ministry gets stuck. Otherwise, the kingdom cannot flow through you. Failure is just something that we learn to deal with. It's not always our fault. Sometimes it is. That's why there's mercy and grace. Jesus failed sometimes. In Mark chapter 6, he couldn't do any great miracles in his hometown. He moved on. Number two, try drips with attitude. Try is all about attitude. And if I could put the attitude of try in a phrase, I would say something like contempt for fear, or maybe contempt for failure. How many times in scripture do we see Jesus say, don't worry, don't be afraid, fear not. By some counts, it's the most frequent command in all of scripture. It's certainly the most frequent command in the New Testament. You're not allowed to be afraid. If you're a Christian, you can fear God and nothing else. And God loves you, so no big deal. The thing is, you can't reason with fear. You can't out-logic fear. If someone comes to me and says, well, I was thinking about witnessing to my coworker. I was thinking about praying for healing for my neighbor. But what if it didn't work? The proper response isn't a theological treatise. The proper response is, so what? You can only dismiss it. You can only convey attitudes. Faith is mostly an attitude, faith is an approach to things. An attitude is the most contagious thing about you. If you want a culture of try, build an attitude of try. Number three, trying is in the midst, it's in the midst of the rest of life. I think about uh, Nehemiah and the returning exiles building the walls of Jerusalem while all the enemy tribes then tried to distract them. The builders, if you know the story, operated with a tool in one hand and a weapon in the other. Kingdom building is always a two-fisted enterprise. Purpose only happens in the midst of the chaos of your life. Paul says to the Ephesians, do not live as the unwise, but as the wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Kingdom attitude means to do the thing in front of you in the midst of the evil, in the midst of the harassment, in the midst of the chaos. That's the only way uh, kingdom things ever get done. Man came to Jesus and said, I'll follow you. Let me go bury my father. And Jesus said, No, 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 no. The kingdom is now. The fields are ripe. You have to come. Don't even get distracted by the big stuff. Purpose is now. Uh, Where are we? Number four, try is routine. If you think about it, one of the first things that God taught his people in the Old Testament was routines, right? The Sabbath, the tithe, all of those weird festivals. He put routine in their life. Why? Because in the kingdom of heaven on earth, You are what you schedule. That's how things work in life. You don't have purpose in your life unless you have purpose routinely. That's just a truism of our life in this world. So I would say something like this. If you want to see more evangelism in your life, schedule 15 minutes a day to do evangelism. You have to. Send evangelistic emails, make evangelistic phone calls, Start evangelistic conversations, ask evangelistic questions of people at work, something like that. Purpose is not going to happen unless you make it routine. And finally, I would say try has a tribe. Try has a tribe. The best thing that you can have in life is people who make you feel as if you can try the things of God. Like the most precious gift. Sometimes, when you listen to an expert talk, the expert makes you feel like you're unqualified to do things. But if you ever listen to a great trier talk, you'll feel as if you can do anything. A tribe of tri causes a contagion of faith wherever it lives. I will travel thousands of miles when I'm tired in order to hang out with triers that I know because more than anything else in my life, that's what feeds me. That's what nourishes me, to be around people who have the contagion of faith in their life. Uh, I have a lot to say about what it takes to build a tribe of try, what it takes to create a culture of try in your church. I'll just leave you with one tip because time is short. In your church, celebrate trying even more than you celebrate success. Celebrate trying, even if it leads to worthy failures, even if it was just a worthy attempt. Paul says to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, if I must boast, I will boast about things that show my weakness. I'll boast about my failures. I'll boast about my shortcomings and shortfalls. Why? Why? Because sharing stories like that makes everyone feel like they can get in the game it reminds them that the great triers are nobody's special triers make you feel like you can do anything and sharing stories of try unto failure is just a great way to generate the attitude of try in your church every year at uh, my church, we have this annual tradition at our leaders banquet. We gather all the main leaders of the church. There's about 50 people there, I guess, 50, 55 people. And we spend the evening just sharing stories. And then we give trophies for the best ones. We vote on this. We kind of make an Oscar night sort of of it. We give stories for a uh, blue water moment of the year, which is about adventure. We give uh, a trophy for most awkward ministry moment of the year, which probably needs no explanation. And then the most competitive trophy we give is most spectacular failure of the year, where you tried something for God and it didn't work out. In fact, it failed hugely. I don't want to brag, but I'm a two-time winner. Um, We've had stories of failed resurrections. We've had stories of failed social justice businesses. We've had stories of 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 fantastically failing evangelistic conversations. So empowering, so important, because your call is not to succeed, your call is to try. Faith is trying. The kingdom of heaven on earth is like like a bunch of servants, Jesus says, a bunch of workaday people who try stuff like nobody's business, just try generating stories worth telling, some about success, some about failure, and all of which are about the faith and the grace of the Lord. I think some of you will find that the Holy Spirit has been quite clear about things that he wants you to do just wants you to try he just wants you to try that's the glory and that's the power i pray holy spirit that you will confirm the call specific calls that you have for certain ones who are listening i pray i pray lord that you will release kingdom culture to these churches that as you taught us to pray jesus i pray Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.